Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast that tells stories about the body of Christ. Once a month, I share a story about people living as disciples of Jesus. Other weeks, I share brief lessons from the Bible. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching Sunday school classes for teenagers on up to 90-somethings. My day job is working in communications ministry for the United Methodist Church in what is known as the Great Plains Conference, meaning the approximately 1,000 churches of Kansas and Nebraska. My goal is to introduce concepts about Jesus Christ to people who either haven't read the Bible before, who have a difficult time understanding the Bible, or who just want a refresher. As the name of the podcast suggests, my message comes to you in layman's terms. I'm not ordained clergy, but I study the Bible regularly, and I'm excited to share stories and concepts with you about God's love for you and for all people. This is one of our story episodes. Southwestern College, home of the Mound Builders, is tucked away in Winfield, Kansas, a small school in a small town southeast of Wichita. And tucked away on one corner of this secluded campus is the Richard and Julia Wilkie Institute for Discipleship. A quick glance reveals nothing grand. It's a fine building, but it's relatively small with three or four office spaces, one larger hall space for gatherings. It looks like nothing special, but looks can be deceiving. God says much to the prophet Samuel when the man was looking for the next king of Israel. Just as King David started off small in stature, this small institute has blossomed. In fact, some mighty big things regarding relationships with Christ happen because of what takes place here. There might be grander buildings, but what happens inside these walls reaches right to the hearts of people to help them meet Jesus Christ and to get to know Him better. At the centerpiece is the Richard and Julia Wilkie Institute for Discipleship. Dr. Steve Wilkie, one of their four children, serves as the executive director. The mission of the Institute uh, has its roots in um, my parents' interests and, and life and ministry. Those parents aren't your average mom and dad. They're retired Bishop Richard Wilkie and his late wife, Julia. They were the authors of the world-renowned Disciple Bible Study. You'll note that Disciple will come up many times during our episode here today especially key elements of that study's format. The specific things that guide us are a couple of concepts from Disciple Bible Study, uh, one of which was the Disciple Bible Study was the first uh, video series the publishing house had ever made, and that was a push for my folks around the idea of using the contemporary... Um, tools of communication. So I was laughing the other day with somebody that my dad did a radio program in Salina, Kansas in the 60s, the word and music. And then he got to Wichita and he wanted to start a TV ministry, which is celebrating its 43rd year now at First Methodist. And in keeping in that spirit, I was here uh, running, planning a new programming at the college and saw that we were going into online learning. Uh, so one of the things, uh, both in that technology as well as other things here that I kept seeing coming around, we wanted to see if we could be doing something that was contemporary. So that's how Be a Disciple spun off, uh, which is our online continuing ed program. Steve is being more than a little bit humble here. He served in various capacities at Southwestern College for 30 years, some of those years as dean and some years in that role he mentioned briefly as head of new programs and strategic planning. One of those new programs 
Yep, it was an institute for discipleship. And it turns out that that was a pretty good idea. It meshed well with his parents' idea for where they would retire, but continue to work in ministry for Christ. That was a very intentional uh, decision on the part of my parents when they, when dad's time as the uh, Arkansas bishop was up, uh, they had a couple of choices. Um, one of which was to go to Lake Junaluska, which is a, a place where a lot of retired bishops go, and they have a, they had a, had gone there lots of summers, and they loved it there. But Dad felt like he would be surrounded by old people, uh, and my parents were not. Uh, it, uh, they loved their friends and all of that, but they when we talked through a chance to. Uh, be on a college campus and then a, and then I'm the only one of their children that hasn't moved a lot or from time to time so they thought well we could we could if we went to Woodfield I think Steve will be there um, but but a lot of it was a discussion about where to put an institute that would keep it vibrant and putting it with a college seemed like a excellent idea and it's worked out very well we've always had interns my folks have always had uh, ways to scholarship Methodist kids from around the world. So we've had a nice range of community and connections and, and input and ideas, uh, which is fun. There are many aspects to the Institute for Discipleship, and we'll get to more of those later. But I want to focus for now on what I think is the centerpiece for the Institute, BeADisciple.com. If you're unfamiliar with it, this website is an online classroom. You can take courses aligned with lay servant ministries. You can take modules for the certified lay ministry track. And there are lots of specialized courses, such as self-care, planning for church emergencies, nurturing the spiritual lives of children, improving your Bible storytelling skills. In all, about 220 courses on the catalog, based on my count, at least as of November. Steve Wilkie explains how the website got started. Where we're going with Be a Disciple was a couple of things. One... Indiana did a study of its laity a decade ago and what kinds of interests they had from their conference office and things. And then here in this area and in others, we were tracking um, things like pastor schools, um, different kinds of conferences and things. And in the Indiana study, which I don't think was that unique to the church at large, there was just an overwhelming sense that well-meaning, committed people just didn't want to take a whole Saturday and drive to another town for some continuing education for a couple of hours and then get in the car and drive back. And, and across Methodism, you just saw a decline in those kinds of models. Likewise, with the lay servant program and some of the others, Conferences and districts were having a hard time getting the expertise they wanted because uh, some of those people didn't necessarily want to take a hunk of time. And so the whole concept that just the culture was just changing there. And, um, and I was sitting on the awareness that we, we have another solution to that. Um, because uh, we were uh, we were just starting in with uh, online learning for the college, which now has about eight or nine master's degrees and and uh, 
about 10 or 12 undergraduate degrees. And so I'm sitting down with our tech people and our institutional leadership. And it's clear we're going to have some capacity. Um, we're, we're not going to, our little college is never going to have 10,000 people all on this software at exactly the same time. And I said, hey, can, can we just, you know, borrow some seats and uh, we'll, we'll put them in the classes. We'll do the logistics, uh, but can we use the software and use the tech support? And, and it, it was a win-win. This was about 2006. In terms of technology, that's a long, long time ago. It's before iPhones came on the scene. They came about a year later. It's before even half the homes in America were off dial-up internet service. YouTube was still in its infancy, and MySpace was still bigger than Facebook. But into this environment was born a platform, a website for educating Christians on a number of different aspects of faithful living and about the particulars of the United Methodist Church. Steve Wilkie's vision was to harness this then-new technology to fill a need for followers of Jesus Christ. Where it came out uh, more in a, in a missional way was, was the sense that We've moved into a time where people ha are interested in some specific things. They're in. They they're used to more niches. Uh, they can go online and look at every kind of shirt ever made, and choose which one they want. They can go and and see any kind of uh, TED talk or YouTube. Or we're just in a world where people are more and more used to oh, this is my interest, I want to follow that. Well, it would be very hard for the local church to do some of the specific things that we can do on Be a, be a Disciple and that people can engage in them. So you might, you know, you might go 20 years without your church offering a, work, a, a course on the Psalms just because it just wouldn't come around or something, or it's a little too unique. We have some courses now, you know, um, that are are pretty niche <laughs> to use a, a, a kind of funky word. So there was a vision, but now steps had to be taken to make this vision into a reality. One of them, the people I talked to was Steve Wilkie. That's Lisa Buffum. She had just finished her master's degree and was looking to re-enter the workforce after raising her children. Now she's the director of online education for the Institute, which makes BeADisciple.com her responsibility. But 14 years ago, she was just having a conversation with a friend, a Sunday school colleague named, well, you guessed it, Steve Wilkie. He said, well, I have this little idea that is uh, just beginning. He said, how about you take a class online? It's starting on... April or um, August 26th. So it was starting soon is what he said. And um, he said, take the class and maybe you can become an instructor for us and teach some classes online. And so I was kind of interested in that. Online was just starting to, you know, you could really interact with people from anywhere. And and so I was interested in that. Well, I participated in the class, and then I critiqued it And when it was over. And so Steve called me in afterwards, and he said, I want to have another conversation with you. <laughs> so we, um, so really, I've been here from the beginning. I was in the first class. Um, there wasn't really an instructor. He had pulled some materials together, and there was someone who was kind of managing things, but there was, we were 
discussing among ourselves, and there were a few documents to learn from. It, it was very modest compared to what we do today. Steve and I laugh about the early years when we would say to people, okay, so there is the internet. And on the internet, everyone can go to one place and log in in order to see each other. I mean, we had to explain how it actually worked. We don't do that anymore. We now, you know, um, people are very experienced with using their computers. And we have some older learners that may have a little bit of issue time to time, but I'll talk to them on the phone, help them through it. And by, by day two or three of the course, they're wondering what they thought the big deal was. I can speak to ease of use. Based on certificates in a folder in my office drawer, I've taken eight courses on BeADisciple.com, almost all of them tied to achieving certification as a certified lay minister, or prior to deciding to take the CLM route in ministry, lay servant ministries advanced courses. Here's Lisa Buffum again. So the way Be a Disciple courses work is that every, they start on a day with a group of people together, and the people start on, it's typically a Monday, and I, I launch the courses on Monday mornings, so sometime between 10 and noon central time, they'll receive their login instructions, and then they can start the course, and then the instructor moves them through the materials together, and they end on approximately the same date. So they aren't self-paced or self-guided courses in the sense that um, you know, you can just do it any time in this three-month period. They really do have a, a form and a focus to the courses, um, and you're working through materials together with people. But if that there's the flexibility of if you have to miss a day, you can easily make it up the next day. Um, sometimes the courses are four or five, six weeks long, and there's not there's two or three assignments each week, and so. Um, so most of them are two weeks long, so the format can change a little bit, but essentially the, the premise is the same. You start together on the same day, work through the materials together, share on the materials daily or approximately daily, and then end together. In the classes I've taken on BeADisciple.com, there usually is a brief daily reading assignment, sometimes a writing assignment. Nothing too strenuous, but something that makes you reflect on the topic. And usually there's a daily participation in discussion boards. The instructor poses a question or two, you answer the question, and then comment on one or two other classmates' posts. The goal is to get people, literally from anywhere in the world, to talk to each other on the class's subject matter. Buffum explains further. I think it gives everyone in the room a voice. Um, you can write as much as you want or as little as you want. Uh, one of the things that appeals to me the most is that the really quiet learner who usually sits in the corner in a in a room experience and doesn't always speak up, but when they do, it, they say something very wise. Well, they are typically asked to respond to every question. Everyone is asked to respond to every question. So the talkers, like me, might write three or four or five paragraphs of something, you know, in response to a question, but it also gives the opportunity for the people who are usually quiet in the room to, to speak up and have a voice. And it allows the others to hear their thoughts. So they interact with each other. Um, it becomes, it's, it's a real contained 
um, environment. So it's not an experience of you're just putting all your thoughts out there on the web. You're in there with six, 10, 12 people. So it has that intimacy and that privacy, but yet um, you can express yourself and have discussions through this discussion board experience that allows you to um, maybe express yourselves in ways that you wouldn't out on the web. And so people become um, intimately um, in relationship with one another rather quickly. It's, it's kind of amazing. I know early in our years, we had a lot of... Um, critique that, oh, I really like to be in the classroom and see the other faces and be with the people. Well, um, that we've overcome that quite a bit because the online learning experience really is personal. And in some ways, it's more personal. If you come into a room of 30 people and someone's talking to you, then you're not necessarily relating that much to the people that are sitting around you in the room. But online, you're, you're in relationship with them by by virtue of the answers that they're giving. So, of course, online is never intended to replace the need for a face-to-face. -face. It's not It's not anything that is going to replace that. It's a supplement. And so for those people that never may be able to travel to a location and take a course from a certain instructor, um, the instructor I mentioned that has been with us from the start lives in Hawaii. And so, you know, we, we'd all love to go to Hawaii and meet Daniel and... and Sign up for that class. Exactly. Uh, but that would not be affordable or convenient to our time. And so we can bring Daniel to, to you online through Be a Disciple and learn. you can learn from him about worship, for instance. As I said earlier, I have some experience with BeADisciple.com. One of the things I've most appreciated about those courses, aside from the great content, has been meeting people from many miles away. Thanks to the classes I've taken, I've met people serving tiny churches in Pennsylvania, people serving as worship leaders in Indiana, youth leaders in Texas, district superintendent assignees in Colorado, and pastors serving some of our congregations here in Kansas and Nebraska, including one former submarine captain. And yes, he definitely wins for the coolest first career before ministry. Those interactions are a critical part of the learning experience. I asked my guests to elaborate. First up is Steve Wilkie, and then we'll return to Lisa Buffum. We'll have months where we have 25 to 30 courses uh, offered. And um, and that's one of the joys of the internet is its ability to get a broad enough, uh, broad enough number of people to see it, enough eyeballs on the on the catalog to to offer um, some pretty unique things. Uh, you know, how many people in the average church, have a, a spiritual call to use photography in their spiritual growth. Well, probably not enough to have a Sunday night group, but uh, be a disciple, you can pick those people from around the country and do that. That's why we work in, in some areas like uh, uh, ministry to the disabled, uh, prison ministry. Um, there's courses um, that that really are for people that want to dig deeper into an area that that is in, of interest to them. So that's what seems to be, be the most popular is the access, uh, the ability to then talk with other, at least like-minded people on that topic. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, that's the feedback we get the most is the people I met 
the conversations we had, uh, the things I learned about what they're doing in their part of the world that uh, was engaging. I know that there are experiences of our learners where they participate um, in a series of courses, like you mentioned, the lay servant ministry courses, and those are are built on the materials that are approved by discipleship ministries for the certification or recertification of lay servants or lay, to lay speaker or even CLMs, and um, those those courses then will have a little bit of a following of people that will take them almost together. So by the time you've been in a course with somebody once, then you take a second course and, oh, there they are again, and you recognize them again, um, then those relationships start to develop. Just how do those relationships develop? It's based on a core concept of disciple Bible study. See, I told you we'd be visiting that beloved Bible study again. After a brief break, we'll dive deeper onto how the format for Disciple works so well for this platform for online learning as well. Matthew 28 tells us to make disciples of Jesus Christ. But how can you do that? You can help by providing some inspiration each morning to someone else. Just go to www.greatplainsumc.org slash dailydevotions. Once there, you'll find a QR code and a link to a sign-up page. Pick your day and your topic. If you need some assistance, there's even a link to the Vanderbilt University Daily Lectionary. Follow the instructions for submitting your devotion, and you've done your part to help inspire and encourage others in their Christian walk. Again, that's www.greatplainsumc.org slash dailydevotions. Help make more disciples today. Back to In Layman's Terms, I'm your host, Todd Seifert. Today we're talking about the Richard and Julia Wilkie Institute for Discipleship at Southwestern College in Winfield, Kansas. Before the break, we left off with leaders of the Institute talking about how the online courses help build relationships among participants. There's a fairly easy explanation for that. It's the same concept that worked for Disciple Bible Study. In that study, people get to know each other over time and gain trust within the confines of a small group. On BeADisciple.com, people get to know each other because of what people share via the discussion boards over the course of the two, three, or four weeks of a class, again within the confines of a small group. The common denominator? Yep, it's the small group component. Lisa Buffum, the director for BeADisciple.com, explains. Be a Disciple was founded from through the Institute in order to extend the lifelong uh, ministry of Bishop and Julia Wilkie to the church. And so we took a lot of the very basic um, tenets of disciple, uh, small groups of people working together through great content with a leader or a facilitator who participates with them, um, and then sharing life together, sharing prayer together. And so we took those, those concepts and we moved them into an online um, experience. And um, we seek to give all kinds of learning opportunities, trainings, Bible studies, educational opportunities on theology or history of the church to Christian leaders, whether they be lay or clergy, to, um, to help impact their own ministries in their local congregations. I feel like now is a good time to take a short detour and a trip back in time, about 34 years, when Disciple Bible Study was born. 
Retired Bishop Richard Wilkie was gracious enough to take some time to meet with me at the Institute back in October. I asked him some questions about how Disciple Bible Study came to be and how it became an international phenomenon. Here's Bishop Wilkie. Our biggest dream was simply to start a little Bible study, to just to have a, a small, I believed in small group study, and uh, there wasn't a, a, a good Bible study on the market that I, that I knew about. There were scholarly things, but we wanted one that the layman could understand. And so we wrote Disciple One, thinking that was it. My, I say we. My wife uh, was uh, my partner all the way, th all the way through. She, uh, she sat beside me, and uh, as we wrote, she looked up things and uh, read, and so you need to write this over and all that. She was a big help to me. I was uh, sort of trained in small group uh, life in as a healing form of therapy, really, was what I was some trained in. So anyway, we wanted sharing and openness, and we did not want it scholarly. So most of the people who wrote Bible studies were scholars, and they had sophisticated material. And by that, I mean scholarly-type material. We wanted it written uh, to the folks, for the folks. And uh, that's who I am, and it's only I'm not a scholar anyway. So it's uh, to be a... It's to be communication between you and me. With all due respect to the bishop, I'm not so sure I buy that I'm not a scholar statement. I dare say almost anyone who's completed Disciple One would agree with me. I think what the bishop really means is not too high-browed. I've completed Disciple One, which provides an overview of the entire Bible over 34 weeks of study. I also completed Disciple Two, which focuses on Genesis and Exodus in the Old Testament and Luke and Acts in the New Testament. And then I also took Disciple 3, which focused on the Old Testament prophets and the letters from Paul. I think it takes a scholar, perhaps even this humble one, to write a student book that serves as the primary teacher while putting the Bible's sometimes difficult concepts into, well, dare I say, layman's terms. If you can come as, you might say, beginners, that was another thing, to come, oh, we're just starting from scratch. Just, oh, we're reading this as if it were for the first time. So we had people who were long-time Bible students as well as beginners. But by saying, okay, we're, we're going to just start at square one, why then that really helped open it up to people sharing. That sharing is a key aspect of disciple Bible study. The people I took disciple classes with and I got to know each other really well. We knew each other's triumphs and our struggles. I shared with the bishop the story of Armin Kofstein. Armin was a retired architect who had married a United Methodist later in life. Armin was Jewish, but he came to church with his wife every Sunday, and he was even involved in our church's mission committee. He was even the chairperson for most of his time there. The joke was nobody could say no to Armin. Well, Armin took Disciple 1 and Disciple 2. He paid attention to sermons that taught the same lessons of grace and love and an eternal home through Jesus Christ. Armin was well into his 80s when he accepted Christ as his Savior, thanks in part to the lessons in Disciple Bible Study and the discussions with us, his classmates. When I feel down sometimes about the church or about religion in general, I think of Armin. Bishop Wilkie seemed genuinely energized when I told him that story. Ah, that's, see, now that's, that's heartbeat of it. Heartbeat is that 
you get not only to know each other, but to love each other and to pray for each other. Pray for each other daily. I shared with the bishop the joy I found in leading a disciple group, three of them actually, after taking several of those courses. I told him I considered myself a facilitator. See, you use the word facilitate, which is a good word uh, for us, to be a facilitator, a discussion leader, a prober, uh, to help people share. There, oh, what did, that, what did that mean when you read that? Oh, well, I thought it meant this. Oh, I thought it meant that. Oh, really? Oh, I never, you know, have a discussion like that. Our conversation went on for about 20 minutes. I plan a short video of that exchange after the first of the year. It will be available on the conference website once it's done. But I thought that some of what the bishop had to say fit really well with what I wanted to share about the Institute for Discipleship that bears his name. And though it doesn't fit exactly with this topic, I wanted to close this segment with what Bishop Wilkie had to say about working with his late wife, Julia, who served as researcher, editor, and support staff, among other duties, for the Disciple Bible series. Julia died in February 2016 at the age of 83. Julia and I had never worked together on any project very much, so we worked together in this way. I would uh, read and I would study, and I say, "Oh, look up, look up that, uh, look up that character for me. Where's 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 that reference?" And she'd look that up. Then, well, I'd be riding along, and then I'd give her the material, and she'd say, well, this is okay up to this point. You need to rewrite this. This is not clear. Oh, okay. And then sometimes uh, she would look up some material in a reference, and, uh, but it was fun to work kind of together like that, and that made a fun thing for us. Okay, so I lied. I want to take one more tangent. As we were talking about Disciple Bible Study, Bishop Wilkie started talking about serving as host for the videos in that first rendition. The set involved him sitting in a puffy chair talking to a biblical scholar of some kind, exhorting on that week's theme and accompanying scripture lessons. One of those scholars was the Reverend Dr. Albert Outler. Dr. Outler, who died in 1989, is widely regarded as one of the great theologians of his time. He's the guy responsible for cracking how John Wesley came to his beliefs, now considered so foundational to the United Methodist movement. You ever heard of the Wesleyan quadrilateral? You can thank Dr. Outler for coining the phrase and starting the teaching on the subject of how Wesley formed his theology. Bishop Wilkie wanted Dr. Outler to be part of the Disciple Bible Study videos, but the doctor wasn't so sure. I wanted Dr. Outler to do a video, and he called me and said, Dick, I, I can't do it. I, I don't know how to do video. I said, I will help you, Dr. Outler, which is a joke, to help Dr. Outler. Really, Dick? Well, then I'll do it. And he came, and he had his notes, sophisticated notes. And I, uh, as he sat down and the camera turned on, I said, Dr. Outler, uh, uh, why do some people read the Bible? <laughs> he laid his notes aside and began to talk, and it was beautiful, beautiful. From that first Disciple Bible Study, a survey of the entire Bible, came several other Disciple Studies, and now one called Fast Track, that allows for shorter class sessions. And what the bishop thought would be a study for a few thousand people across the United States turned into an international evangelism tool. As a result, lives have been changed for the better. Well, it's wonderful to hear stories of people's lives that have been changed. And all over the world, we went to Russia and took disciple to Russia. 
to Moscow, when we went to uh, Hong Kong and Singapore, and and they loved it, and it spread all through in China. In China, the religion they don't want you marching in the streets in China, or having a big public rally. But if you get four or five people in the living room and study, it's okay in most places in China. So. Disciple has moved, over a million people in China have studied Disciple uh, in their small little study groups. It truly is a remarkable story that fits well with the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we return, there's one more aspect of the Wilkie Institute for Discipleship that I want you to know about. It has to do with the companion and pupil of the Apostle Paul. It's called the Timothy Circle when we return to layman's terms right after this message. How does your church celebrate big events? How does it gather the community together? How does it sometimes introduce you to people you might not have known? Many times in the Great Plains, it's with a potluck dinner. And that's what we try to do with our podcast, Potluck. This is David Burke from the Great Plains Conference and host of Potluck, where we do, in audio form, all the things a potluck dinner does. Celebrate big events, gather the community, and introduce you to new and interesting people. Listen to Potluck, available at greatplainsumc.org. Welcome back to In Layman's Terms. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. Today we're looking at the Wilkie Institute for Discipleship at Southwestern College in Winfield, Kansas. So far we've talked about BeADisciple.com and Disciple Bible Study, but of the many aspects of the Institute, if you have teenagers, either in your house or in your church, you need to know about the Timothy Circle. Steve Wilkie explains what it is and why this is so important. The focus of the Timothy Circle is around the idea that one of the one of the places that young people are most in need today is guidance around how to how to function and live out their lives. They have some challenges that we've found that seem a little bit more, uh, a little harder, a little more challenging than we had uh, maybe in previous times because they're given so many options and they're told you can do anything you want and you can just follow your dreams and all of that. And, um, and so within the Timothy Circle, we're working on helping young people get mentored uh, and helping churches see a role in, in really helping young people figure out how to hear God's voice, how to discern God's voice, but also things like how to understand your strengths and weaknesses, your spiritual gifts, your personality, uh, how to navigate in a world where it isn't just my dad was a farmer, my granddad was a farmer, now I'm a farmer. I was a this, this. It, it's now a, a world, and many of, the, many of the things that these young people will do may not even exist right now that they may end up using or doing in their future. So they, we feel like they really need to be grounded in who are they as a child of God and how do they negotiate and work through the decisions of their lives with God. The name comes from a role model in the New Testament. He was young and came from Greek and Hebrew parents and is mentored by Paul. 
chief among the goals of the Timothy Circle is to help young people identify their call into ministry. And yes, while not everyone is called to be a pastor, everyone has a call to serving the Lord throughout their lives. We've worked hard with uh, uh, some experts in this concept of culture of call. And the reason we're using those words is when you study people's call stories, and I've been fortunate to hear lots of them, and we the Institute's very interested in producing them, and we have them in lots of places for young people to hear. But when you analyze your own call story and listen to others, most of the time it isn't, I went to, I took a program, I, I read a book, I took a program, I did something, and then that all worked out. Uh, it's more of living in an environment where people are continually encouraging you, talking to you, thinking through you, because you need to do something, reflect upon it, discuss it, do something, reflect, and it's a, it's a journey of discernment. And so we're trying to work on ways in which each local church can have a culture Maybe that's the kind of culture that invites kids to read a scripture. And then after they read a scripture in worship, people in my childhood would come up to me and say, good job, Steve. We, what was that like? And did you enjoy reading the scripture? And did you, you know, or did you go on a mission trip? Tell me about what your experiences were. And they engaged me in thinking about... Um, how God was working in my life and how to talk about it and how to get a vocabulary for all of that. So the Timothy Circle has, has determined that there are three major places where young people primarily work on their call. The local church, church camps, and campus ministries. So when you listen to people talk about their call experience and they're kind of they're working out who they are as, as, a, as a disciple of Christ, rarely do you ever hear somebody that wasn't impacted in one or more, two or th all three of those, inst of those programs, the church, the camp, the campus ministry. So we're also working on trying to have those groups be more collaborative and work together on this too. I'm really intrigued by this concept of coaching to help kids nurture their faith skills and talents. Wilkie, who is an athlete, and I as a dad with two college athletes, talk about the importance of working on talents through practice and intentionality. Uh, it's a pretty well-oiled machine. If you show some talent in any sport, even by junior high and high school, uh, the more talent you see, the more eyes will be on you. Uh, there are people that make a living just scouting out sports people. Uh, the same on the academics. Uh, if, you, if you score certain scores on academic tests, your name goes into things and uh, you are followed, you are nurtured, you are uh, recruited, you are, you know, you are watched by our culture. And we just felt like, hey, what about what about the talents we can see in young people as they get closer to God and God's working and alive in their lives? What about, what about following them? What about nurturing them? What about getting them to the best opportunities available? The current culture creates some obstacles, but that hasn't deterred Wilkie and his team from staying focused on youth and young adults. Um, we're particularly intrigued with how do you reach youth and young adults in this culture?
how does it how does Jesus Christ get presented in a relevant way to them? And that's always a moving target because the culture changes and the youth are have different vocabularies and different challenges. And so the the answers are fairly traditional, but the methods may change. So we try to keep up. Being here on a college campus is fun because we're all around uh, young adults, and it's fun to see how they're viewing their faith, how they're viewing their the way they get information, the way they live out their faith lives. As I've said several times, the Institute is based at Southwestern College. While a lot of what I've shared has to do with online learning and small group studies around the world, make no mistake, the Institute is proud to be part of the Southwestern College community. Wilkie shared some of the other activities of the Institute that are specific to the college. Uh, we do some things that are specific to Southwestern. We host a summit, which is a program for youth, uh, juniors and seniors in high school. That's a, a theological, spiritual week. We do an Amp It Up camp, which is for young people that want to, to grow in their ability to sing praise music and lead worship. Uh, we have a Bishop Scholar program, which is about 10 to 12 kids from around the world that are Methodists that come here to study. Um, so we do some things that are specific. We have a, we have a Visiting Scholar program that is for a, a recent PhD in religion to come and finish their dissertation, their work, and teach some. So we do some things that are specifically on the campus. We're doing some interesting things uh, with uh, Reverend Wendy moeller Seib. She does some things on helping young people know, if you're hearing this, this isn't God. <laughs> um, if you're hearing that you're a worthless person, that's not God's voice. That's something else in the culture. If you're hearing you should hurt yourself, if you're hearing you should do self-destructive things, if you're hearing that you're, um, you know, that you're not a worthy person in any kind of form, and there's a lot of pe young people that can hear that voice, that's not God's voice. <laughs> you know, and trying to help them discern, okay, in their head, what's going on, um, and and that's why the scriptures are helpful, because they help you know, uh, you know, there are certain things when you think, well, I wonder if Jesus is calling me to do this. Well, you can check that with the body of Christ, with scriptures, with whatever. If, if you feel nudged to help another person, that could be God. <laughs> you know, if you feel a nudge to go buy a BMW, maybe not. <laughs> it's never that clear, but, but we are finding that young people are resonating to this idea that, I, that they can have a way of feeling some confidence that God's involved in the direction of their lives. Institute for Discipleship by going to its website at institutefordiscipleship.org. And you can sign up for classes or explore what is available for online learning by going to beadisciple.com. Many thanks go out to Dr. Steve Wilkie, Lisa Buffum, and retired Bishop Richard Wilkie for taking the time with me on a cold, cloudy day in Winfield, Kansas. Their enthusiasm really has made this a fun experience.
Roots is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. Our music comes via subscription to First Com Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or on the Great Plains Conference website, www.greatplainsumc.org. Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org. I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.